This is the EchoCast. I am Morgan, aka Bon, and this is a podcast about all of the news, reviews, and speculation around video games on all platforms and almost every genre. This week, we will be talking about Cyberpunk's new patch, Ubisoft's quarterly report, Horizon Forbidden West and its reception, Dragon Age 4's release date, and more. First, please take a moment to subscribe to and rate the podcast, as well as share it on social media, share it with your grandma, give it to your neighbor. I don't know. If your platform allows reviews, please do so, especially Spotify and iTunes. If you're on YouTube, please leave a comment. If you have thoughts on the show, a question for me to discuss next week, or to just help out the algorithm, do it right now. Just take like two seconds. Okay. If you are on Discord, please join the show's channel. Link is in the description below. So we can talk about games, podcasts, sports, or anything else you want to. Last but not least, please consider donating to my 2022 Extra Life campaign by clicking on the link in the description or comments below. Gaming news. Cyberpunk hot drop the patch 1.5. A lot of big stuff to talk about. Um, so the I, I would say the, the biggest um, part of this is that this included a uh, an upgrade to the new the it, it's we're in a weird spot to the the next gen patch uh but at this point it's been over a year um this is the 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 current generation uh patch and so um this was a long time coming people had been really expecting this patch for cyberpunk to be like the one that brings the game back um it is missing any new dlc i think a lot of people were expecting this would this would come with the first big dlc that's not coming quite yet i think it's supposedly later this year but you know we've learned to uh take nothing for granted with cyberpunk and cd project red and but yeah the the headline news is the next gen uh console patch uh, as well as a ton of other stuff. So what I will do is I have played, um, it included a five hour trial for people, um, at least on Xbox, which is what I played. I played about five hours of it. If you're familiar with the game, I got, um, I got past, um, the, the, the prologue basically. And I just had my first like interaction with silver hand. Um, and I, and then it cut me off at the five hour mark right after that. So, um, I've been, I'm, so I wasn't a big Witcher three fan, so I never had this, uh, kind of hype for, um, CD project red the way a lot of people do. Um, I was really excited about cyberpunk, but then the more and more we saw about it and the more and more their whole PR marketing train got going the more skeptical I became uh, of, of the whole situation. It just seemed like too good to be true. And 
then the game came out. There was a bunch of controversy with them basically intentionally hiding how awful the the, the last gen experience was console wise, um, not giving out codes for those platforms, not allowing people to see it or to post their own um, gameplay uh, at first uh, in reviews. Um, not to mention, I, I think a thing that you have to talk about with Cyberpunk before you get into the weeds, like I'm going to a little bit, is that, yeah, the patches, uh, the, the, the bugs, the quirks, that, that stuff is definitely a problem. Um, and it still exists. There's still some issues that we'll talk about. Um, the, the, the real issue with Cyberpunk, in my opinion, is that they really... Um, believe their own hype and really portrayed that this game was going to be like revolutionary in the RPG space. And instead what it is and is today, even after this patch is just like an okay RPG with a good story. Um, so even though this is my first experience playing the game, I've actually watched, I think at least two full playthroughs back when it came out. And I've, I've, like, I've watched all the endings and all the possible endings and stuff like that. And so, like, it's got a cool story. Um, I don't think the writing's great. I, I think Johnny Silverhand is very cringy. And um, it's not even that he's unlikable. He's supposed to be unlikable, at least at first. I, just, I don't think Keanu Reeves' performance is good. I think it's awful. I think it's really bad. Um, I don't think he's a very good voice actor, um, at least in this. And... Um, the whole game, much like the marketing and PR, had kind of a our, you know, our shit don't stink attitude of like, oh, this is going to be the best RPG ever. Um, the writing kind of has that, too, where it's like we are super cool and you think we're super cool and everything we do is super cool. And what it actually comes off as is like really pretentious and not very cool and kind of cringy and just i don't know there's a lot of lines especially silver hands where i don't know it's it's weird i don't i don't drive with it at least i i haven't in my watching of playthroughs and my own um, experience now um so with this 1.5 patch brought, there was a bunch of stuff. So it was uh, fixes. They expanded some of the romance stuff. I, I, I don't think there's new romances. I think uh, there's just more content in the, in the existing ones. Um, like the driving physics, they say, have changed. The driving feels awful. It feels so bad um, still. So it must have been worse before. Um the dialogue and stuff like that is is cool, even though I don't love the writing. Um, there are lots of choices, and it seems like you can attack things from various perspectives and angles. Um, the actual gameplay, I think, is just atrocious. I, your character is very... I'm playing with a controller, so maybe that explains it. I don't think it does. Character is very floaty and just doesn't feel weighted. And gunplay, I mean, this may be some of the worst gunplay I've played in a game in a long time. So I know some people have said like, oh, as you upgrade your character um, and, and get different abilities and perks, it, it gets better. I don't care. <laughs> like 
the base gunplay should feel good and then it should just get better as you add on stuff and figure out your play style and stuff like that i, I don't like the way that like the hacking like like that whole part of the game like i know like you could really play the game just that way if you wanted um, i don't think that even feels that good i don't really think this game feels that good to play and so i guess where i'm kind of at with cyberpunk is that it, it, it is what i thought it was it's it's an okay game that got hyped way too much that came out in a position um in, in a state that it can probably never really recover from like the thing you can feel like like they they improved the way the crowds look and feel the way you know there's more random events that happen and there's more like dynamic things um but it still just kind of feels lifeless and it still just doesn't feel good like my favorite rpg ever if you consider it an rpg is red dead redemption 2 or my favorite immersive triple a game or whatever in that game like when you're in you know the towns or you're riding down the road like like these the the other people you run into uh you know whether they're aggressive or they they want you to leave them alone or whatever or especially in the towns like like everything seems like there's an order like like people are going places they are coming from places they are with people that they know like and with this game it just feels like there's just a bunch of npcs just kind of just walking around you know um i don't know my dilemma was that when the five hour trial was over i could pay 30 bucks to buy the game straight up um, or not and i chose not to um and i don't expect i will i i would say 20 is the most i'm willing to pay for this game I, I i am interested i would like to finish it at some point um i just don't i i don't know i i don't i don't care like, like i i just I, I don't feel drawn like i didn't delete it from my xbox and think like ah oh, man i really need to jump back in there what i really thought was yeah, maybe I should fire up Division 2. Or, oh, there's a Madden 22 trial. I'm going to play that. Or, yeah, I've got a couple games I need to start. And then last, naturally, I need to finish that Mass Effect playthrough. <laughs> um, so, I don't know. I, I think that if you were already into Cyberpunk, it seems like this is a big update. Um, I, I think if you had issues with it before or you never tried it before, if you have access to the five-hour trial, why not, you know? Um it didn't convince me and that's kind of where i'm at so so there you go there's my thoughts on the cyberpunk patch i will finish with saying that i do think that it wouldn't surprise me if when they release their first dlc if they do like a bundle where you can get the game fairly cheap and then get the dlc i might do that if it's reasonable um so we'll have to see we'll we'll have to see the next bit is Ubisoft. Uh, they released their uh, fiscal year 2022 quarter three. So uh, I believe they their fiscal year go, goes across two years at a time. So I think it's midsummer to midsummer. Um, so this is their um, this is the end of their quarter three. So I assume the end of their fourth quarter is at the end of April. Uh, beginning of may so um basically the way it read and from what i could gather from it is valhalla and siege are doing pretty well 
that bums me out about Valhalla because I don't think it's a good direction for that franchise, but obviously money talks and I am wrong. Um, Extraction has 5 million players. That is a bragging point. Um, and I get it to a point. The problem is, is I'm one of those players um, and I played for maybe an hour and I will never play it again. <laughs> I don't. I think it sucks. I, I don't like it. I don't like the way it looks. I don't like the way it plays. It, it should have been a DLC or a mode for Siege. Them selling that game separately is kind of gross in my opinion. And I think um, it being on Game Pass is perfect because I, I think most people are going to check it out, say, nope, not for me, or eh, that's interesting, and then never play it again. And um, and I think we're going to see it get hyperscaped eventually. To be fair, it being attached to Siege may give it more life for longer because the piggybacking that it can do. But... And then this week, they, they, you know, in the last week or two, they start putting out all these super goofy DLC stuff and, and cosmetics and stuff. I just not my thing, but five million, you know, for the devs that worked hard on that and are really proud of their work, whether I like it or not. Um, that's a cool thing. A lot of people have played the thing that they worked on. So I will never complain about that. Skull and Bones was mentioned, and it is still in development. Um, and that's kind of what we know about that. Uh, they did basically mention that in this next fiscal year from April, um, end of April to beginning of March or somewhere about there, um, the Avatar game for Massive uh, should release. Uh, the Mario's and Rabbids game uh, sequel will be coming out. And they, they mentioned Skull and Bones again. That's when Skull and Bones should be releasing is in that window. I guess it's uh, primarily a multiplayer-focused game now, which is what I'm pretty sure it was originally intended to be. Um, I saw and touched this game at 2018's E3, and I thought it was almost done. So um, my favorite memory from that was asking... I'm trying to think how... I don't think there's anything wrong with me talking about this. Uh, so my favorite skull and bone story was during a question air time. I said, Hey, um, your idea for the multiplayer sounds a lot like the dark zone for the division. Have you guys consulted with red storm or massive about like issues they ran into with flagging rogue or flagging for PVP and we're having a, uh, an arena where people of different uh, power levels can be in the same spot and you know about griefing and things like that and they were offended and honestly they would well, so they basically said no from what I remember and and you could tell that there was a ambivalence about the answer of like how dare you think we would ask someone else for help it was really awkward it was like super super awkward and um i have to admit i feel bad for the devs working on that game i don't feel bad for the people in charge of it um, and the people i interacted with because uh, seeing that game turn into a complete shit show has been kind of funny in my opinion mostly out of pettiness from me but here we are uh, and one of the final points they made, which I have uh, made lots of jokes about on Twitter in the last couple days, is Ubisoft wants to remain independent, but they will review potential acquisition offers. And the way I read that 
is that Yves Garamont was saying that and he was looking at the camera and being like, we want to stay independent. We do not want to sell. And then he looked at his computer that we can't see and he was like yacht shopping. <laughs> that he's like, oh man, when when I have billions of dollars from this acquisition, I'm gonna buy that big ass yacht that has its own yacht. <laughs> so um, I, I really, I think that uh, Ubisoft is ripe for acquisition. Um, I, I think the best place for it to go, um, would be Xbox, even if it, even if they don't make it, um, or make existing titles exclusive the way that they're doing with Activision. Um, I don't think PlayStation has the money, um, for an Ubisoft. I don't think they have enough cash, um, unless they do a deal that's cheaper or kind of like what they did with Bungie. Um, on the other hand, you could, you know, you never know, uh, a Tencent, a, uh, you know, an EA, a, you know, a, a Amazon or Google, maybe they would pony up cash. I, I don't know. Um, it, it'll be interesting. I still just, I, I really thought that, that, that part of the, of the report was really funny because it seemed like a, no, we definitely want to stay independent. Wink. <laughs> you know. So I don't know. I, I just there's a there's a part of me that wonders how attractive of a company it is because of um that th there's so much bureaucracy in Ubisoft and it's and it's so spread out and it's so from people I've talked to and stuff, it just seems like it's such a such a disjointed, like kind of unorganized like so if you're listening you're probably a division fan um or, or you're at least an ubisoft fan or were at one point and one thing that has been so consistent with ubisoft in the last five years that i've paid really close attention to them is the head has no idea what the tail's doing and so there's been so many times that uh you know the marketing has spoiled something that wasn't supposed to be released yet or We've had to wait weeks and months to get any information about stuff that's being worked on because the devs aren't allowed to talk about it until PR says it's okay and PR doesn't give them permission and then people get upset and we have to wait forever for really basic updates. And and it's just, if you've been involved in the Ubisoft circle at all, you'll, you'll know that it just seems like no one communicates, no one has any idea what's going on uh in the last like couple months it seems like community developers and community managers are going to a new game like every two months they're bouncing around all over the place um it just seems like there's something weird going on um with, with this company and um it, it kind of makes me wonder how uh how attractive it really is to be purchased right now uh, obviously they have a lot of really valuable ip so i i see the i I, I see the the attractiveness there, but man, I, I just wonder if they ever did get acquired, how big of a restructure there would be by whoever would buy them of just being like, okay, let's just burn this thing to the ground and let's start from scratch. You know, let's shut down these studios that we probably don't really need or, or let's restructure the leadership and get a bunch of these abusers and these nasty people out. Let's start actually answering to our employees where it's been like hundreds of days since they've officially um, requested responses on a bunch of issues. And 
yeah so um yeah we'll see that that fiscal that earnings uh, report was interesting and we'll have to see the uh and i will go back very quickly and say um the games that they were expecting to release avatar rabid skull and bones it also ended with and other exciting games so if you're a division fan you're looking forward to heartland i i would find it really hard to believe that that won't be released by march of 23 i would think it's going to be this year but that we we know nothing <laughs> and and i'm even in a position where i i should know some things i can't talk about and for the most part i don't i have no freaking idea what's going on <laughs> so i'll throw that out there um as for like splinter cell and stuff like that i have to imagine um like splinter cell is probably years away um and then there's some other stuff i've heard is in the works but i'm I, I, for the first time in my life, uh, or at least my life for the last five years, I am basically not excited about anything that they're doing right now. So I'm kind of waiting to have something excite me. Okay, uh, the next story, Horizon Forbidden West, it's release and reception. So um, the first party Sony um, game, Horizon Forbidden West, sequel to... Um, Horizon Zero Dawn that came out about five years ago, 2017, I believe, um, has released uh, two pretty positive takes. Um, it's Metacritic and OpenCritic are both 89 out of 100. Um, if you read through reviews or I've watched a few reviews on YouTube, it's overall a lot of praise. Um, a thing that I've noticed, and, and this isn't a, um, this isn't like a negative but it seems like this is like a stepping stone game where like, it doesn't seem like it's like really truly a sequel. Like it's like not necessarily horizon two. It's more like horizon 1.75. And, and by that, I mean that it seems like they took everything from the first game and just went to 11 on it, especially for the PS five version, graphics, enemies, gameplay, stuff like that but I'm not really getting the impression from people that it's like the best story ever told or that it's like, it doesn't do anything like better than any other game necessarily. It's just a really good game that takes what people liked about the first one and doubled down on that, which is good. And you see this a lot. And, and I think a part of that is probably cause it's a cross gen game. This does still work on PS4 and PS4 pro um, digital foundry. I watched their video this morning about the PS4 version and it runs well. Um, they, they were really impressed. Um, and, and, and in the, the PS4 version runs well in the sense of how insanely good the PS5 version looks and performs. So it seems like, you know, Gorilla did a uh, more than exceptional job with this cross um, generation game of giving a satisfying experience on the old hardware and a platform defining experience on PS5, which is really cool. So, so it seems like if you like the first one, you should definitely get the second one. And even if you didn't play the first one, if you have a PS5, it, the, the impression I've basically gotten is that um, this this is a must-have game just to see the full power or, or, or see the most uh, full use of power uh, of a game that's come out yet. One nitpick I have, though, this is purely from watching footage, is the characters in this game have some big old noggins. I um, So there's a, there's, there's a design thing I've seen before where 
in video games or art even you you take the size of the head and then you measure how many heads tall the character is and um and, and you'll see it sometimes where a good example is um, mass effect uh in the trilogy um the shepherd shepherd the main character you play as the at least m shep the, the man is i think nine heads high so if you take his own head and then start from the ground and go up he's nine heads tall where in andromeda uh rider is i think seven heads tall so if you take his head he's seven of his own so it makes him look like a toddler <laughs> like it, it makes his head you, you, when you see that you realize like oh my god like his head is gigantic and i think that developers do this sometimes they they have to um it, it's probably easier to show a, animations on the face if it's a larger proportion of the body that we see so it's easier for them to emote like when you when you watch a cartoon you'll notice that you know for the most part in most cartoons um, characters heads are like disproportionately large on their bodies um, because it's an easier you know it's easier to to show those emotions and stuff and man i i, don't, I haven't done it because i'm i don't have the time i don't have the desire or care but i bet if you did the head tall test on horizon these things are like five heads tall these people they have freaking gigantic noggins it is very distracting once i noticed it i can't unnotice it like really really is bothering me every time i watch footage of it now beyond that it's a gorgeous game the use of color in that game the environments are crazy the enemy designs are just really really intricate and really cool um yeah it, it, i mean it's a, obviously a gorgeous game that has you know it took five years to make you know like they obviously improved a lot i'm just surprised that with the amount of time between the games that it it, it just seems like it like I said, it's kind of like a stepping stone and not necessarily a full jump ahead. But I, I bet when it sells 10 plus million copies, Sony won't give a crap and everyone who plays it and loves it won't care either. Actually, on that topic, I had a little like sidebar I wanted to go over in talking about the long term viability of the Series X and PlayStation 5, um, because what I noticed from the Digital Foundry um, and even from my own experience with the cyberpunk trial is we're already seeing games that um, a lot of the cross-gen games before or last-gen games that they brought forward, you could do like 60 FPS 4K and even ray tracing. Um, games like The Division 2 and things like that, you can get 4K 60 FPS and it's gorgeous. Um, and what I'm noticing is that we're already starting to see that that's not happening with these new games coming out. So with Cyberpunk, you can get 30 FPS 4K ray tracing or dynamic resolution. I think it's around like 18, like 1800p or something like that and 60 FPS. And and something I always harped on and kind of made fun of PC users about is they would moan and groan about having to play console games at 30 FPS in the last gen. So to eat some crow, um, I have to say that like I will never be able to play under 60 fps ever again because with cyberpunk i tried with a few other games i've tried to do the the ultra pretty mode and it looks like i'm playing in mud like just the the way you just it just feels so disjointed after you've gotten used to a higher um frame rate and it really makes me wonder if games that are coming out now that are still cross-gen even um how long we're even gonna see like 4k 30 fps be viable on these in these systems i mean 
the Series X and PlayStation 5 are very beefy systems. Um, but it, I, I think that they've almost run into their own issue where like both of them have even mentioned like 8K feedback like or, or playback. So whenever you see PS5 or Series X talk about 8, 8K, it's talking about um, the, the HDMI out can put out an 8K signal. Um, it's movies, maybe one day. Um, neither one of these systems will ever put out 8K resolution for a video game. Never going to happen. Um, because what I'm saying is that they're literally going to struggle with 4K soon. Um, and, and, and what's really interesting to me is how so much of the marketing for both systems has talked about um, resolution and has mentioned frames, but what I think people will end up preferring in the long run is frames. And it really makes me wonder, like, Xbox already has a 2K mode, 1440p, which in PC gaming is kind of the holy grail of, of, of quality. Now, obviously, there's people starting to bump up to 4K and, and stuff like that, but um, I still think 1440p for most people, including myself, is like the sweet spot because you can still hit 60, 120 FPS, 1440p with like a moderate PC setup. Um, and I think that in the, like the PC setup I have is very similar to the Series X and PS5. Now, technically the PS5 can't do 1440p. It can downscale on its own, but it doesn't have it as a display setting where the Series X does. Um, I'm really curious to if we start seeing multiple options in games that start coming out because right now it's basically performance or quality and quality is basically always going to be 4k 30 fps and performance is going to be um the variable resolution probably 1080p to 1440p um, at 60 fps or more and, I, and i'm really wondering how long it's going to be until we have 4k 30 1440p 30 with ray tracing and then 1080p with 60 fps um even to the point where i wonder if games in the middle of the generation or even end will start putting out 1080p ray tracing 30 fps because that's all it's going to be able to do um a, a game i of course will reference is going to be the next mass effect that game is not expected for four or five years that's going to put it right in the middle or probably in the second half of the current console generations and if that game's gonna be an unreal 5 with all this new tech and ray tracing and all this stuff like where are the chances there's even gonna be like a 4k 30 fps mode for the new for the current gen systems now that said by that time should we expect a mid-generation upgrade for the ps5 and series x or xbox in the middle like here in like two or three years i do completely i think that we'll see a way beefed up um maybe processor and gpu and it's going to turn into this thing where the ps4 pro and the xbox one x were like pretty substantial upgrades but they were still basically just like a little bit faster and i'm really curious if the the mid-gen update for this time may be much bigger than before and uh, yeah, so I don't know. I'm curious to what you think if you've made it this far. Um, how long do you think these current gen systems will really be viable? And is the length of viability in systems getting shorter? Speaking of Bioware, 
Dragon Age 4 will be out within 18 months. So I, I spoke on this, I think, just last week um, or the week before by uh, Jeff Grubb on Grub Snacks. It's a, it's a subscription show that you have to listen to, but people report on it. Um, he, he talked about that Bioware definitely expects the next Dragon Age game to release within 18 months. And he's still sticking pretty closely to his prediction of a second half of 2023 release for Dragon Age 4. Uh, so my take on this is that um, I've tried Inquisition. I didn't love it, but it's cool. It's Bioware. So like you get like that fix off of it um, as well as, you know, there's the other games too. I just, those old games are just, they, they, they just are a little too old for me. They, I, if I had nostalgia for them, I'd be able to play them. Um, I like the way I can kind of tolerate Mass Effect 1, but Mass Effect 1 also just got a big, um, you know, upgrade so um i am interested in dragon age 4 for two reasons the main reason being um i i don't think it's going to be as much of a barometer for where bioware is at as as people think um but i am still interested just to see the kind of product they'll put out in 2023 um compared to anthem and andromeda and and so on um, I also, and we, we know, and I've talked a lot about that once Dragon Age 4 finishes, that's when they're going to start full active development on the next Mass Effect. So around the time that Dragon Age 4 hits shelves is going to be around the time we can start a probably three year timer until the next Mass Effect comes out. And we'll also probably set off... Uh, their marketing campaigns and stuff like that. So even if we don't get a mass effect until 2025 or 2026, uh, you know, 2024 ish is probably when we'll start hearing and, and seeing a lot more about the next mass effect. So, um, I don't know. Uh, I'm, I'm just down for cool games and anything that helps me pass the time until the next, uh, mass effect would be greatly appreciated. So two quick stories here. Um, Nintendo is shuttering the 3DS and Wii U stores. Um, so uh, the, the big issue here is that uh, Nintendo is shutting down their, um, their their 3DS, the little handheld store in the Wii U, um, which most people know as the kind of failed system that Nintendo released between uh, the Wii and the Switch. And um, a big issue is that both of these systems have a, a pretty deep um, library of old um, Nintendo games and games that were released for them and have never been pushed forward to the Switch. And uh, a big part of the issue is that um, they, they basically don't seem, uh, Nintendo doesn't seem intent on bringing these games to, to the new, to the Switch or anything after that anytime soon, if ever. Um, and on top of that, a big issue is that Nintendo is notorious for being highly aggressive legally with shutting down ROMs, with shutting down emulators, with shutting down even music of their games on YouTube and stuff like that. Um, th this is a problem if you're a big Nintendo fan because they're basically going to get to the point where there's no way to legally play their old games in a modern situation. Um, and you would think this would be a, a, a home run for them. You would think they would 
be putting out bundles of their old games, you know, slightly upgraded to new systems and and charge, you know, 60 bucks for it for a four pack of one of four of their classic games. But they don't seem to be into that. When I, I talk a lot about how Sony and Microsoft themselves are are kind of going two different directions with the way that they're handling their business. Well, then you've got Nintendo who's like completely going a different way like 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 if, if if sony and xbox are going slightly different directions you've got nintendo going the other way like they, they like they're going a completely different direction but they sell tons of units and they make tons of money so they're doing something right i guess i just you you always wonder how much a player base or community can take and i i'm sure that there's still tons of slack available for nintendo but at some point, people are going to start getting sick of of them basically disrespecting their own players. The final story that I have on here is Scalebound potentially returning. So Platinum Games uh, Kamaya has uh, been talking about wanting to bring back the Scalebound uh, franchise. So if you don't know, this was originally meant to be an Xbox exclusive, I think, for the Xbox One maybe the 360 but i think it was the one um and it was a big deal it was a uh, xbox has issues with the asian market specifically japan and trying to get a game like Scalebound was a big deal because it was going to be exclusive and the only and it was from platinum and the only way you could play it was to have an xbox and they were really i think banking on that being a way to start making inroads into japan and other asian countries where they just get they don't even get their butts kicked in Japan. Like they, they literally Xbox almost doesn't exist in Japan. Um, I remember, I can't remember if it was the Xbox one or the series X or whatever, but there was a sales stat once where obviously there's a shortage of a shortage of systems, but there was a point where there was like the sales for the month or something were like thousands of playstations and like 37 Xboxes maybe it was a supply issue to a point but it's i mean they just get their butts kicked there um xbox is much much more popular in north america and europe and um south america places like that so um this platinum thing i mean that would be cool it, i i'm really curious to how how this works because it seemed like there was a lot of bad blood about the way this uh, the way scale bound fell apart um, but if they can kind of mend those old wounds, it would be cool to see them capture, um, you know, what they missed out on there and see if maybe they can use that to push forward. Okay. So we have listener questions. We have one, well, two technically from master prime this week on Twitter. Uh, the first one is how important is a community manager? Um, so this is probably stemming from a post I made on Twitter saying, um, how lucky the division community was for like five years to have basically Hamish and Yannick and we had Petter for a long time um, you know we the, the division community for a long time had a really consistent um, com dev team which as time has gone on I realized isn't common in, in fact it's highly uncommon uh, for games to have you know kind of set CMs for a really long time and beyond that, the Division community was really spoiled by um, the Division, if you aren't familiar, for some reason, um, had a show called State of the Game, 
and while it took breaks and it had moments where it waned and, and wasn't very common um there was a time that for years they did a weekly update to the division um through all of its trials and tribulations division one and two um they even did like e3 coverage that was like borderline 24 7. it was really impressive and um i think i i think that that was a sign to me that the division at one point was intended to be something much bigger than it ever became um making a whole studio for your weekly update show for a video game um, having a really dedicated team that only did that um, for years. You know, I, I think that at one point they intended on that being a much bigger thing than it was. But, you know, things go the way they go. So so how important are community managers? Um, I don't know. I, I think. I, I think that the, the people typing up the tweets that go out on a schedule and stuff are just kind of doing what they do. That's just their job. I think the ones that really are the, you know, doing streams and stuff like that, who really do interact um, are pretty important. I, I think it's tough because you have to have a balance. Um, you need to be presentable and, and kind and, um, and likable, but you also kind of have to be a dick when you need to be. Um, the division community was kind of notorious for that, where um, one of the reasons I love Yannick, um, who's a, who's a, a much higher position now but he was always willing to just snap back at people um especially when they deserved it but i think like with as much turnover as it seems like that has now it seems pretty common for a player base to not even know who the community manager is for a particular game they may like and so i, I think they're super important but i think that the importance of their work is like it's like 90% of that is behind the scenes that you'll never see. The the part that you see is probably the least important part with their specific interactions and things like that. Um, one thing that they probably are really important for is to kind of weed out um, good representatives in the community and stuff like that. Um, that's something I always felt like the division struggled with really, really badly. Um, if you look at early in the divisions community and even late and even more recently unfortunately you'll see that they have a real real weird way of choosing uh who they interact with to kind of be a to support and stuff especially early in the division there was a lot of calm dev support for people who ended up being like really 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 awful for the community and for the game in my opinion but you know, that's just me. So um, I think they're important, but I think the most important work that community managers do, um, we will, you'll never see them doing is a big thing. Uh, Master Prime. Second question was, can video games work like a therapy? Um, I, I think that's subjective. I think that's person to person. Um, part of the problem is that so many of the popular games now um, are so stressful and anxiety inducing and things like that. Like, like for me, like Escape from Tarkov is a great fun game to play. Um, that game gives me anxiety and lots of issues. Um, where on the other hand, The Division, Mass Effect, Madden, those games are all games I can play and relax and enjoy myself and uh, and listen to a podcast while I play them. And, and so, 
Yeah, I, I think that games can be like a therapy in a way. Um, it's just like with all things, I think it's moderation and it's um, how you do it. I think if someone plays games 10 hours a day and never goes outside and abandons their friends and family, that's probably not a healthy thing. But if someone spends like for me, my gaming time is mostly after the little one goes to bed around 730 and then I hang out with the wife for a while, typically. And then around like 10 o'clock every night, most nights, I come into the office, my gaming setup here, and I record a video or I record the podcast or I play games and I listen to uh, another podcast or watch a video or a stream. And, and, and that's very relaxing to me. It's, it's, it's actually become so much of my routine that I, I, I don't have to do it every night, but it is nice. I, I enjoy it. And, and I appreciate that my family, you know, is cool with it mostly because they tend to be asleep while I'm doing it. So, um, I think it can be now, do I think it should replace like traditional therapy for people who are depressed and have anxiety disorders and stuff like that? Well, of course not, but I think it can be a factor in helping people, um, be okay. Uh, as I think that's what it is for me. Um, if you have any questions, please uh, leave them in the comments of the YouTube, post them on my Twitter, ask them in Discord, uh, wherever you feel like interacting. Uh, I'd be more than happy to answer questions, cover topics, whatever you would like to hear. Uh, for content updates, I really just have one. I put up a Mass Effect video on YouTube talking about whether or not Commander Shepard will return to the next game. So please go over there, check that out, share it if you have any friends who are into Mass Effect. Um, I'm definitely looking for feedback and other people's thoughts. Um, and that's that's what we have for this week. So uh, you can find me all over the internet as Bond Diesel, including Twitter, YouTube, and Twitch. Um, you go, can definitely, and I would very much appreciate you donating to my Extra Life 2022 campaign um, and to check out, uh, you know, the Echo Cast and Bond Diesel merch. You can find links to all of that down in this description or over on my Twitter. And that's all I have. So until next time. I'm going to go to the hospital. I'm going to go to the hospital. I'm going to go to the hospital.